Well, hello and welcome to Make It a Great Day, the power of positivity. Ryan Lee coming to you live and direct. Continuing our series on interviewing and talking to some amazing leaders around how they're continuing to lead during the pandemic. Really excited to be talking with Jordan Pape, CEO of Pape Group. A lot of great insight. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Lee with Make It a Great Day, the power of positivity. So excited to talk to an incredible leader uh, here in um, my local community, but also has a very vast reach into a lot of local communities. Jordan Pape, CEO of Pape Group. Jordan, welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be here. Absolutely. Well, as we know, these are some very interesting times, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk a little bit about how you and your team are managing your way through the pandemic. Sounds good. This is, uh, I keep telling people, it's like swimming in the river. My head's above water so far, but I'm not exactly sure where we're headed. <laughs> I feel the same way every single day. Well, first, if you wouldn't mind, for those that aren't familiar with Pape Group, could you kind of just tell us a little bit about that wonderful organization and what it is that you guys do? Sure. Uh, at Pape, we're a uh, dealer for large equipment manufacturers, including John Deere, Heister and Yale forklifts, uh, Kenworth trucks, uh, and Ditchwich Underground and Utilities. Excellent. And obviously, our primary footprint for sorry, Ryan, our primary footprint good? for the business is west of the Rockies, uh, primarily in Washington, Oregon, and California. Perfect. And obviously, as we said, your name, Jordan Pape, with the Pape Group. Obviously, that's a family business, but would love to understand what's brought you to be a part of that family business and what kind of keeps you coming back every single day. Sure, uh, we are a fourth generation family business, which is very unique. Uh, and being in a family business has its own interesting challenges. Uh, right now, uh, other family members that are in the business include my mother and my oldest brother. Uh, I have another uh, brother that's in between the two of us. Uh, he's no longer working in the family business. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been an interesting journey. You have to have a real passion for both business and working with family, both of which create their, uh, their own interesting uh, dynamics. Uh, but I love the job, and, and, and you get a lot of satisfaction working with family. Yes, you absolutely do. And I'm sure we could probably have an actual podcast on family business because um, I also am blessed to have some of that experience and know it's a great journey, but it is a journey um, on two different sides, which is awesome. Well, as we talk about that, and then you kind of said right at the start, you know, you're in the river, you got your head above, but you don't necessarily kind of really know what direction. Um, I never like to call them challenges, but as we seek right now within the opportunity space of kind of what's happened in your business, what have been some of the biggest opportunities that you guys have been presented with um, during this pandemic? So for us, we're an essential service provider to essential businesses. So what that means is, if your essential businesses are your, uh, y your grocery stores, your drug stores, uh, all the things that we need to keep surviving, well, all of those goods get there at each step of the way, touching the types of products that we sell. So, you know, you can't get eggs from the farm to the market without tractors, forklifts, and trucks. Uh, the same is true for any other product you can come up with. Uh, you don't produce toilet paper without harvesting trees, bringing the trees to market, producing some wood product that has the byproduct of sawdust. Sawdust then goes into creating toilet paper, so on and so forth. So if those machines break down along the way, uh, th then that link is broken uh, and, and the system doesn't work. So 
our team wakes up every day trying to figure out how to approach this new challenge in the safest way possible so that we can stay open and stay relevant for our customers. Awesome. And any particular overcome, you know, obviously a lot of probably people physically coming into dealerships and I know some of your business is face to face. How have you guys kind of transitioned to maybe being a little bit more digital or having to work from home in a lot of cases um, for some people? Yeah, so our business, the, the central services side of our business is, is one piece that we had to work through. Uh, we're extremely efficient with our corporate headquarters in Eugene, Oregon, uh, and, and the, the teams here service over 100 dealerships up and down the West Coast. So to take those teams, we can't afford for any of those teams to be offline. So one of the first things that we had to do was look at each of those functions and send the folks home that could work from home but many couldn't work from home. And so then we had to zipper functions within our business and take half the team and put them in a remote location so that if you did have an issue, you'd have a backup team at another location that wasn't impacted by the spread of the virus. Then we had to look out to our operating dealerships and many have a nearby dealership that could back them up that's of a similar size. But for what we would call our large hub locations, they're too large to be backed up by any of the surrounding dealerships. So there we had to get really creative about creating uh, structures that broke apart the team so that if you were impacted on any one shift, that that wouldn't bring the whole business down for more than just a couple of days. Well, that makes total sense. And I know, as you mentioned, obviously West of the Rockies, you're dealing with a lot of different states, which I'm sure is pretty interesting that each state might have uh, a different rule per se as to um, kind of how they're operating in the pandemic. How, how's that been for you guys? Yeah, absolutely, right? So our states uh, have generally led in all of the decision-making. So we haven't had the luxury of watching decisions be made from across the country and then adapting in advance. In fact, uh, other dealers in our networks have been... Uh, oh, Ryan, you there? Yep, I'm here. Oh, yep, I can hear you just fine. Sorry, I just, I just lost you for a minute. So other dealers in our networks have been reaching out to us to learn from what we're seeing in our zones. So a, a lot of what we've been doing is trying to predict what a political leader might do and then be prepared to address it when the official orders come out. So as an example, uh, California was the first state uh, to announce stay-at-home orders. But before the state of California announced uh, the, the county commissioners for the greater Bay Area in California created their own shelter-in-place order, which, you know, was, was hard to foresee. Most people don't even know who their county commissioners are. They're not sure when they're voting for those elected leaders what exactly that role does. So when the entire country is being led uh, by a group of county commissioners, uh, it, it's, it's hard to predict, you know, what their decision-making process is going to be. So we just have to be thinking in terms of what would the most reasonable person do to protect lives uh, and then be prepared to run with those decisions. That makes great sense. And obviously, obviously having good insight and information on the ground, working with those commissioners, I'm sure has been invaluable. Um, as you think about yourself and kind of going through this, and this is definitely something that none of us have been through before, you know, what are some things that you've learned about yourself managing through this um, over the last three or four weeks? So what I've known about myself and probably learned it uh, in the 08 
recession is that by nature, I, I have more of that fireman mentality. I like to run where the problem is uh, and try and help. I, I don't try and micromanage the places that are working well. So in times like this, it plays to a little bit of what my natural instincts are to begin with. So uh, diving into as much of the information as I can get my hands on uh, to be as helpful in setting the general direction for our teams and then relying on our teams to be the consummate experts to uh, execute on those plans and frankly, uh, perfect incomplete plans, uh, which I've been really impressed with them along the way in, in how they've taken this and, and really gone the extra step each time. Awesome. One thing I'm always curious too from a few other team members that I've been able to talk to on these podcasts, you know, as you not quite there yet, but as you start to reflect and think what this has caused us to do, and this is such a titanic, titanic shift in how a lot of us operate and work, are there any things that you're seeing coming out of this that might maybe be different in how you run your business or kind of how you guys work with customers as you're kind of watching this unfold? Sure. Uh, you know, in a lot of the ways, this addresses most of the uh, popular book titles that we've seen for the last, you know, two decades or more about change management. Uh, and, and the more that technology is playing larger roles in the economy broadly, uh, we're all, we've all been talking about disruption for, you know, 10 or more years, right? I mean, sure. you're in the middle of that too, Ryan. Yeah. So for my part, this is just, uh, this is a, a, a disruptive moment. You have to uh, look at it for what it is and try and figure out how to maximize the tools that you uh, have at your disposal uh, and, and figure out how you can use those tools to be the most help you can be for your customer base who is also scrambling, right? The unique part about this particular disruption is it's not impacting, you know, just one or two uh, segments of the economy. It is broad-based. It is global. Uh, and so everybody is trying to figure it out. And, and if you uh, can get comfortable quickly with uh, technology that allows you to operate more remotely, where we're used to having relationships in our particular industry, uh, and use those tools to set customers at ease that you can continue to support them in their time of need, uh, then we can continue to be successful. And that's really what we've been trying to lean, lean into. That's awesome. That's, that's great perspective. Um, also great perspective on a lot of things you had said. I know a lot of people are probably listening and, and looking for some advice. And I know you talked about that firefighter opportunity and really kind of getting that data, but then letting those teams kind of tackle that. Any advice that you put out there for anyone that maybe this is the first time that they've been a part of this as a business person, they didn't go through the recession and they haven't had maybe some negatives. They've just been on that incredible curve. And now all of a sudden it's fallen um, that you would bestow on anyone. Well, you know, the, the, the challenge in this particular pandemic is, you know, oftentimes in business we're reacting to decisions that our elected leaders are making around us. Uh, in this particular environment, the major decisions are being, uh, are, are, are political decisions, right? Our elected leaders are having to decide between uh, lives and livelihoods which sure. is a thankless decision to make. And, and I would not want to switch places with the folks right now that are having to grind that out. 
I think the latest report I saw is, is over 16 million jobs have been lost in just three weeks. Uh, you know, I know our family's prayers are with those families as they adjust. Uh, but as, as business leaders, our job is to then understand that environment and instead of trying to uh, reject it or fight it, it's how do we keep the most people employed in the safest way possible. And so uh, I guess my advice out there to anybody that would be listening is, you know, accept that this is a process that none of us have nearly the control we're used to uh, and embrace the change that's demanded for the moment and do everything you can to uh, keep people employed so that when we get on the other side of this, we have an economy that can continue to grow uh, on its way out of the recession that we're going to face immediately after this pandemic. That's awesome. That is great advice. Well, one last thing for you, Jordan, and I again, really appreciate your time. You know, I love quotes and I'm always curious to know what are some quotes or some things that are something that you refer back to and really helps drive you and give you great perspective. Uh, well, I have w one quote that stuck with me uh, and I've always enjoyed from my grandfather uh, and, uh, and, a, and a poem that I keep close to my heart, uh, particularly in times like this. And so the, the quote is, is uh, a little bit funny. It's, education is expensive in all its forms. <laughs> so we're learning a lot right now. Uh, mistakes are going to be made through this process. Don't punish the people who are making mistakes and lean into what you learn through this process because uh, it is going to be expensive, uh, but it will be an investment worth learning and we'll come out of the other side of this uh, stronger for having gone through it, having learned how to, to your earlier point, use tools and technology that we haven't embraced in the past uh, and, and we'll be better off for it. Sure. And I'd love to hear the poem. Uh, the poem uh, is The Bridge Builder by William Allen Drumgould. And uh, it's uh, an old man going alone highway, came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again must pass this way. You've crossed the chasm vast and wide. Why build you the bridge at the even tide? The builder lifted his cold gray head. Good friend in the path I have come, he said. There followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm which is not to me, to the fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building the bridge for him. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's great wisdom. Well, Jordan, it has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us and talk about the things that are happening inside of your organization. I think our listeners will really enjoy it. And um, I hope you make it a great day. And I just really appreciate the time. Great. Thank you, Ryan. I've enjoyed it as well. And uh, that poem, uh, you live that every day. Uh, and I know your organization immediately reacted to this uh, circumstance by trying to provide our educational community uh, with the tools and resources to be able to be more effective in online learning. Uh, and there's a lot of kids out there who owe a debt of gratitude to you and your organization for uh, your bridge building.